0: If I'm in a manufacturing facility and I'm producing CA adhesives with PMMA, of course, there's going to be a lot more warnings about PMMA because of the abundance in my exposure time that I'm working with this ingredient. The amount that lash artists and salon owners and clients expose themselves to is so dramatically reduced and small in comparison to that of someone who's manufacturing these products. A lot of those fear of carcinogenic properties and things, come from the exposure at the manufacturing facility, not because lash artists are doing this and a record number of people are who are getting their lashes that are now getting cancer.
1: Always ask why your friend in the lash industry. Coming to you from the City of Roses, this is the broadcast by Lash Festivals and for Lash Festivals. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Today we have Michael Becker coming on our show. Who is Michael? Well, he's a chemist. We've had him on our show before and he even spoke at LashCon last year. And we're going to have him on a few times now. For this episode and then probably I think in February we're going to have him back. We're going to be talking about... I think we've mentioned this. We're going to be covering... We were originally going to do it in January. Now we're going to push it to February. We're going to be doing a deep dive on UV, LED, light curing adhesives and the systems out there. And Michael has some great insights on that. So he's going to be back in February to do that. And then we even have another episode we're going to record to give you some more details about some other developments in our industry, which I think are really important. So I think he's going to become a regular. We love Michael. He is extremely generous and just a really nice guy and just has a lot of good information and knows his stuff. Today, we are going to be basically talking about a whole bunch of stuff that Tusney sees online. She does a lot of interactions now. She goes on to Lash Queens. We have our clubhouse, and there's people that ask questions, and Tus loves to answer them. But sometimes they ask questions that are very, very chemist related. That's why we have Michael. We're going to bring him on to answer some of those questions and deal with this. So, we're going to talk about glue rings. Are glue rings actually dangerous because the adhesive interacts with the plastic and makes the adhesive less useful? Good question. Well, we go into it. We have we already had our ideas on that, but it's best to get someone who really knows the stuff when it comes to chemistry. So he's on going to talk about. Also, we talk about are there dangerous glues on the market, and you know what does that look like? We talk about uh, another question a lot of people have is about formaldehyde glowing, glowing, growing in your glue bottle as it sits there, especially while it's being shipped or if it gets hot. Does formaldehyde glue basically get released in that bottle and become dangerous or toxic to your client? We also talk about the FDA and its role in the beauty industry, as well as we give tips on finding out what glues are actually safe to use. Because I know there's a lot of glues that you can get online and we want to give you insights on what's good or what's not good. And Michael goes to that. And and a whole bunch more. We we talk talk about a whole bunch of stuff. Really useful, helpful things for you and hopefully empowering you as a lash artist so that you're not just, I don't know, just winging it and just making things up, which sometimes we do. Now, encourage that. Better to know what you're talking about and that way you can be a true authority and you'll stand out in your market. So I know you'll find a lot of good use from this. Let's get to some quick analysis it's time
2: for announcements.
1: Right now, guys, what do we have going on? Well, basically, all we have going on right now is the Premier Show in Anaheim. February 4th and 5th, Michelle Rath, Yul Rafferty, Michelle Wynn, and Chris Carr, as well as my amazing wife, Tustany Lubers, will all be teaching classes there, mostly on lashes. Tustany going to be talking about the lash allergy and how you can deal with it, and so your clients can keep coming to you, even if they're allergic. So we're going to have five courses over a period of two days, 4th and 5th. The tickets are 95 $5 and then you get all of that included it's basically a mini lash con. We'd like to call it. So if you're in the Southern California area, or if you're anywhere, you want to come, fly out, come to the trade show. It's not a lash conference, not like lash con. We are doing our con within their conference. So they have a beauty show where they have you know hair, nails, and some lash brands there. And then basically we are going to be there with two days full of classes. And these are like two two and a half hour classes. These are not just like forty five minute or half hour little mini talks. These are more in depth. Um, not so much workshops but at least real in-depth explanations about how you can improve your lashing no business so it's all about lashing that weekend so february 4th and 5th Tusney's lash retention class is coming i promise you we'll have dates for that sometime in the spring as we told you it is a hybrid class so we are working on that getting that edited finalized and once it's online we'll let you know all right guys that's all we have for our announcements now let's go to our session where we sit down with michael and talk about all things lashes and chemistry
2: Hey guys, we are in the studio again with Michael Becker. He is one of our favorite chemists and he's got such an amazing brain. And we know
1: millions of chemists, by the way. So, this is quite the honor to have Michael Becker back. Welcome to the show.
0: (laughs) <laughs> hey, thanks for having me back, guys. How are you guys doing today? Doing so
2: great. Good. I've got some burning questions that we need some answers to. There's always something going on in the industry where you see stuff
1: being thrown <laughs> out there and you're just like, what? No, why is this an issue?
2: I've had several people reach out to me very concerned about their glue ring because there was a post recently about if you use, don't use a glue ring because A, it's not safe, and B, because the plastic of the glue ring is reacting. This is the claim that it's reacting with the cyanoacrylate adhesives that we use, and it's going to ruin the bond and. Or make the glue bad, right? Make the glue bad. So people are scared. People are like, is it reacting? Is the plastic reacting? Yeah. Can you shed some light on that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So from my experience, a lot of these glue rings that lash artists use are made of a plastic called TNT. A lot of people are familiar with that. You see it on the bottom of your water bottles. So PET is used because it is a highly chemical resistant or biological reaction resistant to other substances. So a lot of these glue rings themselves are composed of that PET plastic, which helps prevent any sort of unwanted reaction or mixing with your cyanoacrylate adhesive, why you don't see any blooming or white formation or anything like that in your glue ring after you use it. So, that PET plastic is highly inert and extremely stable
1: and durable.
2: Love it. Okay. So, inert means that it's not reacting. It's not reacting with the air. It's not reacting with the water. You're adding
1: it's... plastic pl- to your adhesive and making it into a, a new mega adhesive with plastic mixed in and all that stuff.
0: Correct. As long as you're not, uh, you know, heating your glue ring yeah. up with <laughs> adhesive in it, which you don't understand why
2: you would.
1: Yeah. Um, but you're good. It comes in a plastic bottle. I don't know if people realize Uh, that. The adhesive comes in a plastic bottle. These
2: smart cookies are reaching out to me and say, Tess, the plastic bottle that the glue is, is is now my glue completely degrading? Yeah, it didn't make sense to me either. The other thing that I want to point out is that a lot of our lashes, correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, they're made from fibers.
0: They're made from PBT. PBT, okay. But it's still a plastic. So your lashes aren't dissolving. Onto the natural lash when you use the cyanoacrylate adhesive, that adhesive itself isn't working like a solvent. It's basically just curing like a polymer resin as it's intended to do. So what it's reacting with is those. If it's traditional CA, you're reacting with the moisture in the air. If it's an LED cured CA, your photo initiator is what's causing that reaction. So LED cured adhesives, especially, they're not even driving that chemical reaction because you're not exposing them to that LED. So they're even more or less likely to react, even though there's not a reaction going on with that P T. The
1: angels are singing like,
2: "Oh yeah, exactly." Like, yes,
1: the truth <laughs> has come out, guys. You're free. Just Tustany doesn't use glue rings, but a lot of people do. They love them, and so I, at least now, hopefully, you feel free to go back to your glue ring and not feel like you've done something horrible and you. Mix some toxins into your glue and did some bad work?
2: What's really hard and painful for me when people are scared about these things is like there are so many things that we do have to worry about. And I know that this community is really devoted to doing their best and doing no harm and doing the right thing for their clients. And so when somebody says, be aware that this has serious health side effects or lash techs, lash artists, people who are conscientious, they're really concerned and they want to do the right thing. And it just bothers me that there's unnecessary fear.
1: Well, that's just our industry in general. For some reason, there's a faction of our industry that loves to just Come up with stuff and scare everyone. Like, just like, hey, you know what? I don't think we have enough fear in the world. So, why don't we just come up with stuff and start mixing it in here? It's almost like all we seen in the news all day is be scared. And I feel like that yeah. same culture leaks into our industry. And now people see things they don't understand. And so they assume the worst of things or they just decide to make it up. Like, people make up things like when you would say, we rinse the eyes with saline, people are like, oh my gosh, that leaves salt on the lashes, which means now people. People's glue is not going to last very well because there's salt in our lashes. Like, based on what research is that?
2: This is so hard for me because, honestly, it's like squirrel, shiny object. You say that. Now I want to start talking about... Let's get to the next
1: one because I think the next one is a big one. Okay, so the fear
2: is cancer. I've heard it like... Birth defects. Birth defects. Some glues, some bad glues out there have things that cause birth defects and cancer in them. And you don't want to expose yourself to that. Of course you don't. But now it's in my glue. Now it's in my... Oh, my gosh. Are there
1: glues out there that are cancer-causing birth-defecting-causing? Oh, uh, you know, if I,
2: don't, if I don't buy from this one company, everything else might is dis, in, in disrepute, right? Yeah. Like, how do I know? Yeah. It's, so can we talk about that?
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So as we even discussed at last con, there's a couple common additives that everybody is used to probably seeing in their CA glues. That being TMMA is one of the big ones, right? PMA is a plasticizer and it is added into the adhesive to improve characteristics of the adhesive, such as bond strength, retention, flexibility, and some other characteristics. That being said, some of these ingredients that can be added into this formulation, right, they have the potential to cause sensitization. That being said, there's still a lot undetermined about those ingredients and whether they actually cause cancer or don't. A lot of times, if there's a suspicion that something could be carcinogenic, governing bodies will just say, hey, it's a, it's a suspected carcinogen. But, you know, as mentioned, it's not on the top of the priority. We'll circle back to it eventually. The one thing I would say that people just have to be mindful of, and we talked about this in a previous episode, is the curing process in which cyanuracrolytes do cure. They do produce tiny little bits of formaldehyde. So that being said, I could understand where some of the fear comes is, if this a good product, I hear it produces formaldehyde, am I safe, this and that. Your exposure to these ingredients and the way that they penetrate or don't penetrate into your body plays a large factor in how they behave internally in your human biology and anatomy. So that being said, some of these ingredients could be suspected carcinogens, but it's not something that I would raise the alarm bells. You're not exposing yourself to Loads of these, and a lot of what you read is more so for manufacturing exposure levels. If I'm in a manufacturing facility and I'm producing CA adhesives with PMMA, of course there's going to be a lot more warnings about PMMA because of the abundance in my exposure time that I'm working with this ingredient. The amount that lash artists and salon owners and clients expose themselves to is so dramatically reduced and small in comparison to that of someone who's manufacturing these products. A lot of those fear of carcinogenic properties and things come from the exposure at the manufacturing facility, not because lash artists are doing this and a record number of people are who are getting their lashes out are now getting cancer. There's not a direct correlation between that and there's no such study that correlates those two out there.
2: I love it. Thank you for explaining that so cogently. And so what I want For lash artists to understand is that if they're super concerned, they can request an SDS, which is a safety data sheet, or even just look at the back of the bottle. The back of the bottle, OSHA requires them to label it a certain way if it does have effects that can cause birth defects. There will be a pictogram on it. There will be requirements that they are legally mandated to inform the consumer about. And the only pictogram that is on lash adhesives or is that exclamation point, which means it may be a, an eye and skin irritant. There is no birth defect or DNA. There's, that That symbol is not on there. So rest assured about that. And the other thing is that let's talk about, you mentioned it, that the way that the adhesive bonds. So let's just say there is a molecule in there that is hazardous to the human body. It first has to get into the human body. Correct me if I'm wrong, the way that I understand cyanoacrylates work is that they bond with that anionic polymerization. Once it hits that water mo- molecule, it sets up, it becomes hard and plastic, and that glue becomes inert. Even if it has that chemical in it that could cause a birth defect, which they don't. But if it did, it's still inert now, and it can't penetrate into the body. It can't leach out into the tissues. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. And even if it did penetrate into the tissues as an inert ingredient, your body's going to dispel that. Uh, something I always like to bring up, especially, you know, in formulation, chemistry, food chemistry, mm-hmm. silicon dioxide, is an anti-caking agent. It is in everything, cheeses, right. you name it, right? It is a completely inert ingredient. We do not gain nutritional values for it and it is excreted throughout our system. So your body naturally has the ability to excrete these inert ingredients or even suspected toxins at a certain rate. Now, if you're in a manufacturing s- setting, right, you're exposed to an abundance a of a little bit more where at a last studio, when you're coming into contact with these, they're not putting on bottle after bottle of adhesive on you. getting tiny <laughs> bits of exp- yeah.
2: <laughs> the yeah. The tiniest
1: yeah. bits. And I want to jump in and point out something because this explains a lot of where our rules for lashes came from. Back 20 years ago or 18, 19 years ago when basically Santa started first being used with eyelash extensions – all the manufacturing rules that happen in the big machine operating worlds like don't get They're wet fashion. for 24 hours, 48 hours makes sense because you're in large scale Mass amount of adhesive being used, large quantities. Everything's over the top. So they took those same rules that and applied in the, it applied to it, the
2: micro environment, nano that world we're, that we're, we're, we're using in. the tiniest amount. You know the rules do not apply. It's like quantum. Yeah, it's quantum like quantum mechanics, mechanics, mechanics. versus gravity. There
1: are two science laws that conflict with each other because they they operate in their the own. The size worlds. and scale are different, it's a, right? The scale. Yeah,
0: you got the macroscopic scale, and then you got the microscopic scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the so, two,
1: yeah, and the two of those things don't align. And so we, and in fact, I wanted to point out OSHA came to our slum once to do an inspection and they, we actually showed them what we did. And the guy actually just checked real quick. He looked up in there's the paper center accolades. And then he saw what he used. He laughed. He literally went. He said, "Someone thinks
2: this is dangerous," and and he He laughed. laughed. He goes, "He's like, do not worry. No,
1: it's just there's nothing. You guys, so you so little adhesive in there, so little cyanoacrylate." He said, "Actually, acetone for him was was the bigger concern in the room." Yeah, yeah.
2: And he said, "There's no, from OSHA's point of view, there's no PEL permissible exposure limits on cyanoacrylate," which means like so. Like I said, this goes back to the SDS ladies. If you're super concerned and i know a lot of you are very conscientious ask for that sds it will tell you if it is Was the word tetragenic birth defects it, it, it gives birth defects nope. it will tell you how to handle it it will tell you how to dispose of it it will tell you all that information it will tell you if you can't be exposed to it at a for a certain amount of time it won't
1: <laughs> and, and also another thing to know santa Dracula, it was not invented 20 years ago this adhesive has been with us since at least, I think it was first initiated right after World War II, but really didn't go into yes. play until the 50s, I think is when they finally showed up with in Kodak. Yes. And so it's been yes. around 70-plus <laughs> years, guys. It's not a new idea. And because of all that history... We, do, we would have seen by now some real bad signs of birth defects or something like that connected with it.
2: No, no, it's very safe. Can I just say that they've used it inside the body? They use it to repair veins and touch a, a safe track record. The incidence of allergic reaction is so, so low. Even if somebody it's injected into the body, like to re- repair a thrombosis or something like that. There are patients, very rarely, that have had localized swelling and localized irritation, but it resolves itself within seven days. It's it's crazy, even with that kind of an allergy. It's incredibly safe, in, and it's been used in medical applications for decades.
0: Yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, everybody's familiar with Dermabond mm-hmm. for wound adhesives. Uh, it is cyanoacrylate. It's two octal cyanoacrylate, so just a different form of that CA adhesive. They are extremely uh, safe and it is extremely rare to have a reaction or an irritation from it and something we had mentioned before, right? You cannot get anaphylaxis from Yay. these CADs. Hallelujah. Yay. Can
2: we get a great sound effect here? Because like, <laughs> we are so concerned. We want yeah. do no harm. We want to protect our clients' health because we care about them. But at the same
1: time, we won't be saying things that aren't true. Like, oh, yeah, I've heard people say, well, I'm afraid that they're going to get an allergy and they might have an anaphylactic response and they could die on my watch. And no one wants that as a last artist. But that's making things up. It's like saying, like, I'm on the moon and I might get hit by a car on a freeway like no these things don't happen like you're creating realities that don't exist
2: okay so another reality that doesn't exist and i'd really like to stop this talk there's some confusion about it because i'm, I'm hearing it from leaders too as well so what i'm hearing is that you want to buy your glue from a decent manufacturer or a vendor that is safe. All of us want to do that, right? But they're denigrating you don't know where the glue is manufactured and then it's coming across the ocean in a shipping container. And there's dank environments where humidity is encouraging more growth, bacterial growth. And Recently, what I've heard is that formaldehyde, formaldehyde builds up in the bottle and it can damage people. So what my understanding is, I think this leader, well-intentioned, is confusing a couple of things. I know that formaldehyde and its derivatives can be an excellent Preservative. If you have shampoo in your shower, it is in a hot environment and there's moisture, and it's a perfect environment to breed bacterial growth. So, in order to keep that product safe, chemists and developers they put an analog of of a formaldehyde, so that it's not trad- strong formaldehyde, but it. it it not off gases, but it produced. It creates formaldehyde as like DMDM. DM, yes, Hida, Hida, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes no. I,
0: I always yeah. struggle to say it too. Don't feel bad. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. It's a formaldehyde releasing agent. It's not formaldehyde itself. but The way that it chemically reacts with the environment once it's exposed it begins releasing little bits to keep those colony growths down and that bacterial growth down.
2: Right. And, and so people who are sensitive want to avoid those things. But those ingredients are not in LASH adhesive. There is no formaldehyde in the adhesive. It starts with it. That's how it's manufactured. But when it's, it goes through the process of being created as a monomer, there is no more formaldehyde in there. And so it doesn't need to be preserved for that long trek across the voyage, across the sea. It's not developing, it's not gassing formaldehyde. So then when you open it, formaldehyde comes out and damages you and your client. That's not a reality. So, Correct.
1: So Correct. Michael, just say yes and we'll move on. I'm kidding. <laughs> so,
2: well, no,
0: you're right. You're right. Like a couple sacks. Something I've been trying to like personally work on a little bit here is understanding these adhesive systems. Something that bacteria needs simply is a food source. And my hypothesis is if you're just using CA with your hydroquinone, I'm trying to determine whether or not hydroquinone can act as a food source. I know some polymers themselves, but I don't believe CA can. So, bacterial growth isn't really too much of a factor from what I found out so far. Uh, yeah. I will say so
1: far. Well, yeah.
2: This is going to be like in a legal case like Hearscape, but from what I've known from Dr. Stout, he says, well, it's scary. You look at the ingredients and they're like really toxic, right? But he says the good about that is that. There's no bacteria that can grow. Nothing can grow in it, he says. So no matter what... That is good to
1: know. He says it's
2: sterile every time you use it. Which is why they use it in eye
1: surgery and bodily surgery and all that. Because if it wasn't sterile, they could be potentially adding in an agent into the body that could cause uh, disease. Just a little
2: story is that before Dermabond, he said that he would actually stop at the convenience store if he knew he had a case where he had to use a glue. And he would just pick up super glue, and use that to bond the sutures together. Later on, they came out with one that's sterilely packaged. But he's like, it's the same stuff. It doesn't grow bacteria. You don't have to. So that should be a a sigh of relief for us.
0: Yeah, that's great. I'm happy my hypothesis has been confirmed. That is awesome to hear. Yes, you are a smart (laughs) cookie. Backing on that formaldehyde point, right? If formaldehyde is your cause of concern, right? And you think that when I open this, there's more in it. The boiling point of formaldehyde is negative two degrees Fahrenheit. So as soon as you open that, any formaldehyde that's been generated from premature curing or anything that may take place like that, just open it and it's going to go poof. Really?
2: Magic. Okay, so, so negative... So it's immediately
0: va- it's
1: consumed by the heat in a sense, right? Or Not
2: just, heat, Just because
1: yeah. the, the boiling point so is low.
2: so
0: low that it boils at negative two degrees. So wow. as soon as you expose it to the atmosphere, it's gone. the vapor pressure is so high, it just... Okay. So worst
2: case scenario. Let's talk about this worst case scenario. So worst case scenario, there's, it's coming overseas. It's in in a, and this a shipping happen, container. the dead, right? Yeah. And formaldehyde is b- building up inside the, the jar or the tube, and it's plastic, by the way. Yeah. But the That's, plastic, the, right? The
1: dreaded plastic. That.
2: <laughs> right, and there's chemicals in there that actually cause birth ca- defects and cancer. We know that as soon as we open the container. The if there's formaldehyde in there, it's going to be poof, it's gone,
0: and yeah, it'll evap, yeah,
2: right. And wow. even if there is cancer causing or birth defect causing, it's inert once it binds with the moisture. And your body, even if it's absorbed, it your body will just excrete that,
0: yeah. Uh, it's going to be bonded to that adhesive in there because, even like I said, that PMMA, right. It works in that chain to help form those bonds. So it is bound within that polymer chain itself.
2: And it doesn't leach out. And as further proof of this, you can look at the label... And it will not have any birth defect warnings on it. It will not have any handling requirements for or warnings for pregnant people. And
1: this has been around for 70 plus years so that we know it's been tested, tried through many different applications, not just lashes. Which again is, gives us a little bit of confirmation that this has been shown to be a proven safe tool to use or adhesive so
2: smart cookies you do not have to go on a wild goose chase to find an adhesive that doesn't have pmma or one that doesn't have formaldehyde or one that's not made in a plastic bottle Uh, you don't have to do any of that stuff so breathe a sigh of relief and pat yourself on the back because i know that you care
1: we have one more thing i think we could cover and then we probably need to wrap up here but that was the idea of the different types of adhesives like there's always some i've seen some brands talk about we use medical grade every. Everyone else uses other grades Sludge. and because that their glues are bad and you need to buy ours they use this fear-mongering technique to sell their glue people, our last year, I like, how do know? and how do i know because you know? do it doesn't it says glue on mine it doesn't tell me medical because- grade body grade whatever what grades are, are there so i think we've covered this before but i think it'd be a good just do a quick review of this and help people be. Uh, f- uh, and the other g-
2: question i just want to throw in them this mix is like does the fda I know that there is different categories between the purity of a product, pharmaceutical, medical, food grade, industrial, whatever. I know you'll share this with us. But does the FDA require that certain FDA has requirements about food? It has to be a certain grade. dog food isn't good for humans, right? Because it's not as pure, that kind of thing. But does the FDA have a requirement for the cosmetics world? So what
0: I will say that I say to everybody and everybody's taken back the FDA does not have the legal authority or power to approve any cosmetics for any purpose unless legislation changes that so grants them the power. That being said, they have their labeling guidelines and then they have a tiny list of restricted or prohibited ingredients, but mainly it's following a lot of those labeling guidelines and making sure that, you know, you're not using one of the few restricted dyes, colorants, things like that. But the main difference between these adhesives really, right, you have your industrial grade, you have your medical grade, you have your research grade. So your industrial grade isn't going to be specifically formulated to be biocompatible for human consumption. So a lot of the adhesives that we use, the CA adhesives, a lot of them, in my opinion, are medical grade because they're human compatible and the purity is there. The adulterants are not there. A lot of your adhesives that you're using, right, are 96 to 99% pure CA glue with like 0.01% initiator, the initiator usually being water. So the purity factor is there. There's not a lot of adulterants. And then the way that the process is, the way that these products are manufactured also plays a component. So we had talked to the polymerization process and cracking these polymers down and refining them. So depending on how they're refined also plays a factor in that. But a lot of the adhesives that we use in our industry are medical grade adhesives that have been formulated to be biocompatible. They're not industrial grade. When I think of industrial grade adhesives, I think of like your Gorilla Glue, that's a wood glue, your crazy glue, or I don't even know, even nail glue itself is like, can be medical grade depending on the brand that you buy. So that being said, uh, a lot of the artists already are using medical-grade adhesives. If you're not sure if you are, something that we keep bringing up, contact your manufacturer, ask for the safety data sheet, and you can also ask for what's called a certificate of analysis or a COA. And that'll also tell you what type of components are in there, what type of additives, anything like that.
1: If you have a industrial-grade versus the medical-grade Will there be certain ingredients missing or added that you'll see like a medical grade, you'll see a more pure form with less stuff and industrial, You'll see like all this extra crap in there that makes it industrial. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. So what I like to think of is uh, isopropyl alcohol. Mm-hmm. is a really good one, right? Cause they make 99.99% ISO and mm-hmm. then they make 70% right. ISO. Yeah. I would still call the 70% medical grade cause it's used in biocompatible But to me, that 99% is the medical grade, and that 70% is more like, I'll use this to clean my counters, things
2: like that. Mm -hmm. Very good. Now, will it say on the SDS or the COA, the Certificate of Analysis, will it say this adhesive is a medical grade adhesive? Will it say that?
0: No. Okay. No, not commonly. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
2: So it's not a helpful question to ask or say my adhesive is medical grade because what you're saying is that most of them are. Yeah. But by, yeah. by, by yeah. default,
0: at, at least the ones and the people I've worked with, in my experience, they are using medical grade adhesives. So I'm confident in that.
2: Okay, so the question is: you don't want to buy a bad glue. You don't want to buy a glue from China. You don't want to glue buy a glue from Amazon because you don't know what's what's in it. Now I know that buyer beware and make good choices. You don't want to buy your glue from a guy around the corner who's selling him out of his jacket.
1: But <laughs> his name is Mikey, by the way. I know this guy named Mikey. <laughs> Mikey
2: sells the glue.
1: Mikey, Mikey, Mike's gonna take care of you it's well, all good
2: here wait, let me tell you my mom my <laughs> ma- w- we once bought some meat from this guy who was selling it <laughs> out of the back of his truck and he's like, No! What? <laughs> when I was what? a kid. When I was a kid, oh this guy gosh, comes of around the your corner mom would. and he's oh. like, Hey, I got some meat. I sell it from the hotel, but I couldn't sell it this time. It says really good meat. Would you like to buy it? My Grade mom's like,
1: Yeah in the back of my trunk. We oh didn't have gosh. any issue
2: with it, but I always laugh at that because um That's
1: so your mom, by I know, the way. I know. Oh my Love gosh. you mom. It's amazing.
2: <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, don't buy buy the glue from the guy behind. But so most people I guess the question is, if we're getting glue from a major brand or even a smaller brand on Amazon, are those likely safe to use? Unless, are you saying that, like, don't go to the hardware store and buy Gorilla Glue?
0: Correct. Don't do that. (laughs) Definitely don't do that. But I would say, like, some key things to look for, right? If you're trying to determine, is my SDS telling me, is this industrial grade or do I have a medical grade adhesive? You want to look for ingredient simplicity, right? You should not have anything else in there besides pretty much the CA adhesive, the initiator, and at the very least, maybe like a little bit of hydroquinone to prevent taking or PMMA, something of that sort. Okay. Okay. But we're talking like 95% plus CA adhesive or a blend of CAs because I know blends are
1: becoming more popular for sensitive people. But they don't put on the bottle like – it's not like the alcoholic like you said. It's not like they're saying 99% the correct. CA. They'll, they'll, just, they'll just list cyanoacrylate, but maybe like you said hydrochronone, or whatever that word was, PMMA, yep. whatever. They'll mention like two or three ingredients. If that's what you see, you're in probably in a safe place that this is metal grade.
0: Yeah, I would say most likely if your if your formulation's three four ingredients and tools those ingredients are one of them's your CA most likely you're working with a medical grade substance. If you get a glue that has ten plus ingredients on it, <laughs> yeah. I would be a little concerned. Okay. Yeah.
2: One more thing that, that I I just thought of hydroquinone. So some people quote the fact that hydroquinone in certain percentages is banned in certain countries like Italy, Japan, Canada even. Okay. And so therefore they say it's dangerous. It's bad. So you shouldn't have it in the adhesive. I know that hydroquinone is, they have used it for melasma, melanin, because it, it attacks the melanocyte. It's actually a little bit cytotoxic, right? And because of that's why So the reason why it's banned in certain countries is because at a higher percentage in skincare products that actually penetrate into the skin over a period of time, like 30 days, in some small percentage of the population, it does cause the opposite of skin lightening. It causes a skin darkening because it can be inflammatory because it's cytotoxic, right? It actually goes after to kill the melanocyte cell. For those reasons, that's why it is banned. Because a higher percentage of that population gets a darkening effect of it. Okay. But it has, to, you have to understand, lash artists, uh, smart cookies, that it is a different application if it's in our adhesive. Michael, tell Correct. us what the hydroquinone is used in the adhesive for.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, hydroquinone in your adhesive, it's pretty much used to prevent that polymer from curing preemptively so that when you open that glue, you can actually reseal it and use it without it coming back and it being just a fully hardened plastic. So yeah, it inhibits that pollination reaction. It blocks it from happening, but not completely. And that's why it's used in concentrations very low. Commonly, you'll see it only at about like 0.1 to 0.3%. I've never seen it higher than that in the adhesives themselves.
2: Thank you for that. So it is still legal in this country. You can buy a skincare product that has hydroquinone in it. That's 2%. Yes. There's a, It's called Nadi and it's on the drugstore counters and it is not effective at that percentage. So that's why cosmetic companies use it at four or higher. As a prescription strength, it's usually like an eight. But, and that's when you get problems. So we're talking about an 8% as compared to zero point, what was it that you said?
0: 0.1 to three. So you're talking like, 8,000 times less potent.
2: Right. And wow. in order for you to get that cytotoxic, uh, that reaction where it starts darkening, you have to be using it on your skin at a percentage of like uh, 4% or higher, For consistently for at least a month 30 days straight so it is not the same thing it's like comparing apples and oranges and even if it is okay so we know that the way that the adhesive works is that it polymerizes and it forms this inert plastic it's not getting absorbed into the body is that correct if it has the hydroquinone in it
0: hydroquinone yeah to my knowledge no we do not actually absorb it and if we do like we definitely excrete it it's not something that is i think is the word i'm looking for
2: thank you so i want to put that to rest don't look that's not one of our ingredients on our s list right it's not the same thing as a skincare product or it is the same ingredients but it's used differently and it's applied and absorbed differently so do not worry about hydroquinone yeah it's, it's not through the dermis so
1: i want to review one last thing and then we probably should wrap up here but let's I, I want to make sure people understand so they feel educated about the different grades because i always hear people throw grades around what are the different grades are available out there in the adhesive world
0: absolutely so three grades that you're going well i'll say four that you're going to experience the most right you have industrial grade you have cosmetic grade you have food grade you have medical grade and then you have research grade also five research grade. yeah so research grade that's going to be done in like theoretical testing labs as they're developing products and trying to determine materials and all those things so
1: we're not really going to yes. see that in our industry. And is that the highest what level? Is that the most expensive, too?
0: Yes. So when we talked about Kodak developing these films, yeah. they were using yeah. Ethyl-2 cyanoacetate sheets. That was a research aid that they were using. Okay.
2: Is research the same as pharmaceutical grade?
0: Or is that medical? Medical is more so. like I'd say USP and research are very close. For me, there's a fine difference. For research grade, you're talking like UHP, so ultra high purity. USP grade is about there too. There's just a little bit more that goes into it because USP regulates drug manufacturing. So there's a little bit more legislature behind it.
1: Does that a sixth grade that we're now adding? Pharmaceuticals, another grade just below research, just as we're talking about all the different grades? Say medical and pharmaceutical or kind of like- The same. Okay.
0: Okay. Two okay, of the same, yeah.
2: Just a sidebar question. With the research grade, I would imagine that the packaging of some of these ingredients has to be a little bit different in order to preserve, it could be a little bit different in order to preserve the purity of the product. Like it has to be delivered if it's reactive, right? Doesn't it have to be like surrounded in nitrogen by or something? Stork,
1: I think, is well I No, nice. I mean,
2: <laughs> I'm just thinking like if it's purity in your research and, and you've got data that's really sensitive, like you can't just, it's not going to come in a jar that it maybe mixes with air and other adulterants. It Correct. Does, okay. you're,
0: you're right. Yeah. So usually they would provide those samples under inert uh, inert conditions, either purged out with argon gas, which is a pretty heavy gas, a little more expensive. Most people usually just settle for nitrogen. Nitrogen's good at removing all of those constituents out of the atmosphere and keeping it under inert conditions. So you're not going to react.
1: Yeah, cool. All right, so cool. So we have the research, the medical, pharmaceutical, and that's where you're saying that most lash artists fall. That's where our glues fall in that medical side of things. And then below that is cosmetic, food, and industrial. I think I've heard this said that some of the adhesives are cosmetic grade, and that's a a lower form below medical grade. Cosmetic grade is not as refined
0: as it because in theory, right, cosmetics, nothing's absorbed to your skin. Everything is superficial and just used to beautify, not actually do anything internally. So because of the way our industry is, and we want a lot of those anti-aging effects and a lot of those beneficial properties, I always say it's better to go on the medical grade or pharmaceutical grade of things.
2: Michael, can you speak comfort to my listeners here? We all want to do our best and we're smart. So help us to understand, like, because we just want to do the best. We want to buy the best. We want to provide the best. So when we hear somebody tell us a thought leader, say you must buy medical grade, we all want to do that. So can you and we don't want to buy the cosmetic grade, even though it's acceptable or whatever or industrial grade. Can you tell us like the average lash artist? are where do we go to buy the product? What do we look for? And how can we be saved? How can we be assured that we're doing the right thing?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So a couple different things you can do as a lash artist, right? You want to make sure that your vendor has all the documentation that we've spoken about, making sure you have your safety data sheets, your certificate of analysis, any other relative information, technical data sheets that can provide proving information that this is this product and that's exactly what this product contains. And then also with those trusted people in the industry who have been doing this, right? There's a reason they've been doing this so well and they've been doing it successfully. Reach out to them. They're great resources and the industry as a whole always is looking to grow. So don't be scared to, you don't feel like you're getting enough from your current manufacturer or your vendor. Don't be scared to inquire and shop around there because you don't know who you might make that connection with, or you might end up being with someone who, you're like, wow, this is a night and day difference. I can't even believe this. This is a great process now. I love working with these people. So making sure you have your documentation, building those relationships and networks, make sure you give yourself the most options available on the market. Because uh, what I found in my experience is a lot of vendors and manufacturers, even though we all carry this relatively dissimilar products, There's a lot of differences and there's a lot of different ways that people even formulate those near identical products that's in the performance. Taking the time to understand these products and learn a little bit more about the science behind them and how they work too is also a big part of that.
2: Great. Now, if we're buying our lash glue from a pretty big brand or even a smaller brand, but we know the people, you said generally that's safe to assume that it's a medical grade. What would be a warning flag that it's not?
0: If you're looking at that safety data sheet and you're seeing multiple ingredients or you're seeing that your uh, adhesive content is like 80 some percent and then 10 to 15 percent of it is TMMA or a different plastic, then I'd say you'd have concerns. Basically, the easiest way to tell the difference between these grades is your purity level of that CA adhesive, right? How much CA is in there? Is it 98 percent with just a little bit of initiator and a little bit of hydroquinone and that's it? Or are we
1: looking at like a more complex formulation with more adulterants and more additives? Would the certificate of analysis tell us the percentage? Is that where you find? Because SDS doesn't tell you. Well, usually sometimes the it's
2: it's proprietary, and they don't list the actual percentage. Yeah. right. They list the Correct. order. Correct.
1: So.
0: If it is proprietary, something I would always suggest is see if you can sign an NDA with your vendor or manufacturer. Right, a non-disclosure ing- non-disclosure agreement can be very beneficial to both parties because at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you're distributing a product that hits all the criteria, is following all local regulations, guidelines, anything applicable on that nature. But you also want to make sure you're supplying a quality product. So if that transparency is there from the manufacturer. You're able to get that information. I'd say that's a huge step in the right direction, and something you can sleep safe, feeling good about.
2: I love that. Thank you for that. That's no, an extra tool that helpful. we can use.
1: And I think for a lot of brands who go out there, there's brands that will charge 100, 120, 140 dollars for a bottle of glue, and they'll say the reason why ours costs so much is because it's a medical grade glue, and everyone else is cheap because they're doing because the cheap ours ass has glue, been purified.
2: What, <laughs> you yeah. know, ours has been purified like three. Or times. is that just
1: marketing? I always think that's is marketing i'm like yeah you're all using the same glue doesn't it have to be purified many
2: times to be even B- like,
1: kind of like makeup companies they can yes. charge high prices for the same makeup like this you go into the ingredients go it's the same makeup but they're marketing it to a higher end client so they charge a lot more and then they have the, the standard product
0: yeah, absolutely. I think we see that a lot even in the liquor industry, right? Seeing vodka that's once distilled, twice distilled, triple distilled, all these different distillation techniques. So something that I found too is, yes, price can be a good indicator of something being more premium because, you know, there is extra labor of loves that has to go into process. So there's going to be more cost associated. That being said, though, you know, I've seen it in other industries that I've, you know, had the experience of working in where Sometimes someone else's MOQ is just a little bit bigger than yours and they can sell for a better price point and it's still the same product. So there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff, like you said, marketing that goes into that. What type of demographic are you trying to sell? So price can be a good indicator. But as you mentioned, too, there's a lot of marketing and tactics behind that as well.
2: Just want to insert that MOQ is short for minimum order quantity. Yeah. Yes. Thank (laughs) you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's hopefully helpful. I believe that you don't have to go and spend hundred twenty, hundred forty dollars for a bottle of glue to get a good adhesive. I know Tustin never has. The markup is actually people probably don't. I have before. Yeah, but I'm just saying that we don't buy a glue that has that kind of high price, and we've and test does fine. I I think right now you need to find always a glue that works best for you, and if it is a high price one and you like it the best, God bless you. Go for there just so people know there's a huge markup when it comes to adhesives there's the profit margins and adhesives is enormous it is not gigantic yeah it's why these last companies do well and even why even smaller brands can do okay because they don't need i mean if you buy for two three dollars a bottle and sell for 60 that's not your normal markup for what you get in most industries, right? You don't get a hundred times margin. You don't get margins like that. You get margins like, oh, it cost me $2 to make it and I sold it for $8 or something like that. That's more of a normal market markup while in our industry because it started so young, 20 years ago, the markups were so high and we sustained those markups over the years. It just hasn't gone down. But there have been some companies that have gone in lower. They've come in much lower costs. And I always, when I hear this, they go, oh, that must be a crappy glue. And I'm like, it may not be. They may just be willing to have a smaller profit margin and they're trying to gain market share by just saying, no, we don't have to sell our glue for 60. We can sell for 35 and it's the same glue. It very possibly could be the same glue. I know yeah. some thoughts.
2: Yes. Thank you. Thank you for that. I just
1: to see if there was any mic was like, nah, Paul, you're totally wrong on that. I guarantee if it's 35, it's just cheap ass glue and you shouldn't buy it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would agree. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, it's a lot of it's marketing. And so people understand that it did not necessarily. It's a, a thing about quality, but I think like anything in life, you try things out, test it for yourself, find what you like. And if you like a glue, that's only 35, 40 bucks. You're probably not using the industrial grade. You're not using Gorilla Glue, so don't worry about it. You're probably using at least at minimum, a a lower refined medical grade, and that's not going to be bad for your client. And this thing, like we said earlier, it sets so quickly. It's not leaching into the body. It's not causing all these problems, so you're not – destroying someone's future by using these glues so
2: wait one more thing if the real nerd goes online I, I did this and i know some of you have done this too and you have read that over time cyanoacrylate can break down and it can produce formaldehyde when it's deconstructing or, or it's decom- breaking down de- <laughs> decomposing <laughs> it can it, off gas yeah it as can as off it, gas but doesn't that take like a very, very long time?
0: Yeah, and I don't know if I believe that, to be honest, because logic tells me that all your monomers have reacted and that chain reaction's no longer happening. So if it is a decomposition reaction, I guess... In theory, some could be produced, but from my understanding, the main driving factor that's formaldehyde generation is actually hearing the hearing process, not the decomposition process itself.
2: Well, we can write that one off the myth list. That is <laughs> fantastic. Thank yeah, you. I've never even heard that one.
1: I, wow, oh, that's very
2: good. Cool. That it can, no, I want, but it decomposes. We have
1: to have Michael back, but uh, again, uh, like we, I'm Mike, the Michael minute, which will always be like a Michael hour. I know, but, <laughs> but what I was thinking is it would be interesting to see because it sounds like like you're plugged in now you're paying attention to the industry like when we mentioned earlier when we start talking about the glue ring like oh yeah i've seen stuff on that so obviously you're on the instagram you're watching the comments oh yeah i would love for it to have you come on and talk about the things that you see that people are getting wrong
2: oh yes i would
1: love
0: to expound on some things there's definitely some things that i've seen that i'm like I don't know about
2: that. Yeah.
1: So I love it. I think that would be a fun. Uh, Our minute segment with that Michael. Michael's again. minute. I won't give him more than a minute, oh, though. Of course, but, but that's just what we call it. No. <laughs> so, anyhow, uh, how about the massive minute? massive yeah, brain dump that with Michael. that it's more than a minute I don't mm-hmm. know <laughs> we'll have to do-
2: thank you for saying yes but, well, yeah, we're going we to hold you to that
1: we need to have you come on and we can do these regular talks where we have you sharing your feedback because we see stuff but sometimes I even think for us it just blows over because we see so much stuff but I know for you you're specifically yeah. very interested in anywhere where people start talking about things that affect chemistry and you're like mm, you know, yes so it would be really cool to get your feedback on that so anyhow as always we could do this all day but we probably shouldn't we, we just- yeah I've got a
2: client <laughs> Coming yeah, in, yeah. to has a good client, Michael. And thank you so much. You're the best.
0: Yeah, thank you both. You guys are amazing. I appreciate you guys
1: giving me a platform to educate fellow lash artists and the lash community as a whole. Yeah, well, we'll have you back again soon. So, otherwise, have a fantastic rest of your day.
0: Thank you, guys. You as well.
1: Hey guys, guess what? We are done. We are out of here. That's a wrap. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Please follow us on Instagram at LashCast and at the Lash Conference. And remember to subscribe, share, and review. On behalf of my lash chemist, Tusney, as well as our special guest, Michael, I want to thank you for taking some time to listen. Keep on lashing. And remember, you have a friend in the lash industry.